So welcome to the five minute check-in. So today we have two topics we're gonna cover, sickle cell and new genetic therapies for sickle cell called CRISPR. This is very exciting. FDA just approved that therapy. This is a big step forward in the care of our patients with sickle cell disease. And to help me understand this new therapy and understand a little more about sickle cell, I have two very special guests. Back with me is Dr. Ankara Sagar, our Vice President for Clinical Standards here at Common Spirit Health, and also a professor at Creighton University. Ankara, thank you for joining us. Great to be here. And a very special guest joining us for the first time is Father Kevin Fitzgerald, a professor and chair of the Department of Medical Humanities at Creighton University. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you. Great. All right, let's jump right into this. Um, let's talk about sickle cell worldwide here in the United States. What is the scope of the condition uh, and who is it impacting? Ankara, why don't you help us think that through a little sure. bit? Sure. So when we think about globally, about 300,000 babies each year are born with hemoglobin disorders, one of mm -hmm. which is sickle cell. Within the U.S., approximately 100,000 Americans have sickle cell disease, one out of every 365 African-American births, and one out of every 16,000 Hispanic American births. Beyond African-American or sub-Saharan African ancestry, the other ancestries that are often implicated with sickle cell are going to be Hispanic, Southern European or Mediterranean, Middle Eastern, and South Asian. And within the U.S., the more recent data from American Society of Hematology shows that across the various states, Georgia has one of the highest number of births related with sickle cell disease, mm. closely followed by North Carolina, California, and then Alabama. Okay, good. Well, that's, thank you for that, that, that overview, both worldwide and here in the United States. So, you know, Kevin, actually, before we talk to you, Kevin, about this new therapy, you know, for um, for sickle cell, tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, why are you on this discussion today? Like, so. Well, I think the reason I'm on this discussion is because I've gotten to know you over the years. So that's probably. The, <laughs> that's a good one. Okay. Yeah. But um, um, so my background is actually in uh, genetics, molecular genetics, so a PhD in molecular genetics. Also have a PhD in bioethics, so much of my career has been spent not only trying to work on the development of these genetic technologies, but also take into consideration their ethical, legal, and social implications. And this technology has tremendous implications, yeah, both yeah. for treatment but also um, socially. So the idea here is, if you're trying to think about genetic technologies, the idea is kind of like word processing, right? Right. If genetics is the spelling of A, C, Gs, and Ts that give us the information to create our bodies physically, then um, when there are mistakes made, it's kind of like a spelling mistake. And so CRISPR is one of those word processing, genomic editing technologies that has been developed. Great. And also, for your background, for those of you who are listening on a podcast and not seeing you, uh, Kevin is also a Jesuit Catholic priest um, at Creighton University, just for a little background on that. Um, so, Kevin, you and I talked a little bit about this, and maybe what I'll do is I'll have you talk, what exactly are we doing in this CRISPR therapy for sickle cell? Uh, and then, Ankara, maybe you can tell us about how complicated it is to actually deliver this therapy. Because uh, we need to think about how is it at Common Spirit and other health systems we can offer this, start to begin to think about offering this really 
life-saving therapy. So, so Kevin, what exactly is it editing and, and how does this work? So as, as I think many people are already familiar with, um, so sickle cell is caused by a mutation in the hemoglobin gene. Hemoglobin is, of course, the uh, protein that carries the oxygen in the red blood cells. And the idea is one letter spelling mistake is what causes this disease. Now, why it's so prevalent is the fact that this particular genetic difference allows those people who carry one of the mutated genes to have additional resistance to malaria. All right, that's why it's so prevalent in the populations Dr. Sagar mentioned. What we're hoping to do is to correct that in some ways. There are two options right now being pursued. One is to use this word processing CRISPR technology to turn a fetal hemoglobin that we all use when we're fetuses back on. It gets turned mm. off when we're born. That fetal hemoglobin does not carry the mutation. And if it's on, can help prevent the sickling. The other, of course, approach is to try to put a new sickle cell gene in, which will then help reduce the sickling of the hemoglobin. So, so we have two options. And you know, I know all the docs are thinking back on their medical school days about phenyl hemoglobin and all the different types of hemoglobins. Uh, but you can either turn that back on and that prevents the sickling, or we can just get rid of that gene that causes the sickling to begin with. So, so two options in front of us. Why don't we pivot a little bit here? Uh, Ankara, you know, this sounds, you know, pretty easy, but it's not. Uh, so from a very practical clinical lens and almost an operational lens, how does this, how does a patient go about getting this, this treatment? Agreed. Uh, it sounds much simpler, but the patient journey is involved at the least. Uh, it's not something we can go to our local pharmacy, pick it up and take it at bedtime or with dinner tonight. So basically, the way I think about it is it's an autologous stem cell transplant. So we, mm -hmm. through apheresis and mobilization, we take the stem cells from the patient, apply the therapy, whether it's gene editing or gene delivery vehicle, whichever one we pick. And in parallel, the patient undergoes induction therapy to decrease stem cell production in the body. They get the infusion of the newly edited stem cells right. back. And then they have a follow-up just like any other stem cell transplant um, within their tertiary care center for quite a bit of time, eventually going home with hopefully good outcome. So you've said a few words in there. You said tertiary center, because this is most likely going to have to happen in a place that does bone marrow transplants, has a big follow-up set up so that this can happen in a very efficient way. So it's not as simple as just a drug therapy or something to that effect. This is complicated. Um, and, and Kevin, do you want to add anything to that? And talk a little bit about the price tag on this, and then we're going to wrap up. But I think I want to also just say, look, this is a beginning of a new story in, in, in a time of a therapy for a population and a community that is really in my caring for sickle cell my whole career. It's just so frustrating that we could not offer them real therapy, knowing exactly what their genetic defect is. I was like, we know what's wrong. Well, why can't we fix this? And finally, we're doing it. So it's exciting. It's complicated. And you, you've told me this is going to keep changing. Now we're going to keep getting better at this technology. So price tag, changes coming down the line. And then we'll close up. So, yeah. And, and the idea, of course, is, you know, why did this take so long? And one of the reasons is the 
technical difficulty of doing this. And so what the CRISPR advance was, was to develop a sort of genetic word processing technology that was both efficient, effective, and much less expensive. Now, much less expensive is relative, right? <clears throat> so as Dr. Sagar laid out, this is not still an easy procedure. And we're talking about individual treatments well north of a million dollars. Now you might say, well, that's just, you know, that's crazy. We're not going to be able to afford that. But if you think about it in terms of the potential relief of suffering of the patient over many, many, many years and the savings to the healthcare system because of that, yeah. then yeah. one can look down the road and say, oh my gosh, if this works in a significant percentage of patients and it's durable, so lasts maybe five, 10, 15, or maybe a lifetime, then certainly it's worth it. But then right. how do you balance the upfront costs of say a million five or $2 million per treatment versus the lifelong benefits? That's yeah. gonna be part of the challenge. The other part of the challenge is going to be CRISPR as good as it is, is not perfect by any means. And so there are other technologies in the pipeline today like base pairing gene editing, which are more effective, more efficient, and yet probably going to be more probably expensive. more expensive yes so we're yes, going to have exactly. to balance you know that again yep yeah so a lot more we could talk about here it's a fascinating we will probably have you back to talk about this in more depth in a grand rounds but really exciting technology we here at common spirit are starting to look at you know who are sickle cell patients how do we manage that how do we maybe think about offering this therapy to patients very exciting, groundbreaking change in the care of a, of a community that is in desperate need of that treatment. So, Kevin, thank you for joining us. We're going to we're so lucky to have a national international thought leader with us here at Common Spirit in Creighton. So thank you for joining me. Great and, to be with you. And Akira, once again, always great to have you join me. Thanks. Well, thanks for joining me at the five minute check in. And I do know that was not five minutes, but such an important and exciting development in the care of a community. So I really wanted to take a deep dive into it and I'll see you again in two weeks at the next five minute check-in.